0: I was about 19 or 20 years old, and I remember I was going on a night out with some of my friends. We were part of a youth group together. So I was the one driving, and I was picking everybody up, one by one. So okay, pick up first passenger, second one, and then we picked up the last passenger. And uh, this friend, uh, we're going to call her Jessica, because that's her real name actually. <laughs> um, I wasn't looking forward to pick her up at all, because she and I, we had some issues before that. Uh, I was mad at her. I was pissed with her and maybe she was upset with me as well. I don't know. Uh, I really can't remember what happened but I remember that I was not happy with her. So, but we're going out as a group so never mind. I go pick her up. So, when I arrived at her house, she came out and um, she went to the car. I didn't even see her but as she got into the car, she said, Hey guys, I just permed my hair. What do you all think? And without skipping a beat, I said, Wow, looks like shh. It's uh, the S word that rhymes with sit and means poop. (laughs) Okay? And then there was silence in the car I drove off. But the silence didn't last long because shortly after that, Jessica started to cry. And everyone was just feeling awkward, feeling uncomfortable. And uh, after that, we made a loop around her house and she wanted to go back home. So I dropped her back home. So before the night even really began, the night ended. Uh, what happened next was a blur to me, I don't remember. But I know shortly after, maybe even the next day, she straightened back her hair. It was very easy for her to make an appointment because uh, her mom was the hairdresser. So after that, I realised not only did I insult Jessica, but I also insulted her mom at the same time. And um, yeah, but you know what? I didn't even take a real look at her when she came into the car. It was at night, it was dark. I was seated in front, I was the driver, and she was seated behind. So when she came in and when she asked about her hair, I didn't even look at her. I just wanted to say something to hurt her. I just wanted to say something to... Yeah, sure, I was angry. But the words were something that I never even meant. But it meant something to her. Those words hurt her. You see, words are powerful. Words matter. Words carry weight. Words give life or words can kill. Words can heal or words can wound. And words are so important that James, when he wrote his letter, he, he dedicated a part of the scriptures to talk about the power that your tongue and my tongue holds, the power of words. You see, the theme of the book of James is how do we live out alive that shows our faith is alive, or that our faith is real and that our faith works. That's why this series is called Faith Works. So in this part of the scripture, when he talks about the power of words, he's in a way begging us to ask the question of ourselves, do our words show that our faith really works? Do our words show that our faith really works? And if we look at James chapter 3, verses 3 to 5, I'm going to read from the message, paraphrase. It says, A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. You see, like the horse's bit or the ship's rudder. The ship's rudder is the one that controls the direction of the ship. Our words may seem small, our words seem insignificant, but they are powerful. And all of us have experienced the power of words, whether as a giver of it, like how I did with Jessica, or as the recipient of it we have all experienced the power of words. And as a kid, we've all had our fair share of teasing and insults. And I remember being a young boy, and whenever I faced something like this, my my dad would tell me, you know what? Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. You know, I know my pa means well, but that is one of the biggest lies ever. That is one of the biggest lies ever. How many of us would rather take a broken bone than a broken heart. How many of us are still suffering from the wounds of a broken heart due to a careless word, due to careless things that people say about us and that broken heart is still an open wound up to today. You know, sticks and stones may break your bones but your bones can heal pretty well for the most part but words sometimes wound you for the rest of your life. Words may seem insignificant but they are powerful. Words like, imagine your parents saying to you, you know what, I wish I never had you. I wish you were a boy. I wish you were a girl. Why are you so stupid? Why are you not like your brother, your sister, your cousin, or um, insert high-flying relative's name in this blank space here. Why are you not like that person? And this is not limited to when we were just kids. Words like, you're not good enough and you will never be good enough. These words still ring out loud to a lot of us, even up to our adulthood. And a lot of times, the ones who say these words to us are ourselves. We may have heard it once from someone, we have heard it twice from someone else, but we are the ones that keep repeating these words over and over and over again. See, all these words start small, but then they grow big. They start seemingly innocent, insignificant, but they start a fire. That's why James says, It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A callous or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it, smoke right from the pit of hell. Smoke from a forest fire. It's something that uh, those of us who live in the Klang Valley will be quite familiar with when it's haze season. Uh, smoke from forest fires. Not from our own country, actually, from a neighbouring country. And I live in a place called Klang, and I'm very proud of it. But where I live, it's quite near the port. So the smoke from the haze, which is me earlier than the rest of the people in the Klang Valley, right? Smoke from a forest fire. And these forest fires were probably started by a very small spark by a very small start, it burns down the whole forest, smoke comes out. And just as a spark can burn down a whole forest, it says mere speech can change the world. And if we think about the greatest speeches of the world, we think of someone like former President John F. Kennedy, when in his uh, inauguration speech, you know, he asked the country, he said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Another speech that we think of that is as inspiring is one by Martin Luther King Jr. I have a dream. He had a dream for his children, where his children will be judged not by the colour of their skin, but by the content of their character. That was his dream. And because of his inspiring speech, that became the dream of many people as well. But for every MLK and JFK, we have an Adolf Hitler. Hitler was also known as a great orator. More than 5,000 speeches that he spoke, that he challenged the Nazi army, inspired them to conquer nations and kill millions of people. Millions of people died because of Hitler inspiring his Nazi army. By our speech, we can ruin the world and it all starts with a spark. What kind of fire do our words spark? Do our words spark fire that gives warmth, that gives light? Or do our words spark fire that brings about destruction. You know, going on in James, in verses 7 to 10, he says this is scary. You know, I did a word search of the word scary in the version app, you know, in the, in the message paraphrase. It only appears three times. Once when he was talking about giants in the land. Once when he was talking about a scary dream. And the only third time that he was using the word scary was this, when he was talking about the power of the tongue. The power of words. This is scary. <laughs> you can tame a tiger but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a one wonton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father. With the same tongues, we curse the very men and women He made in His image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. You see, if at first our words seem insignificant but they are powerful, Now we are seeing that our words are powerful, but they are inconsistent. You know, as we worship God, with the same breath we sing, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise, we pour out our praise, but with that same breath, we also pour out our rage. We pour out our bitterness. We pour out our anger. From the same source comes praise, and from the same source comes anger. From the same source comes blessing, and from the same source comes curses. Hey, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there are no places for harsh or hard words and that every word that comes out of our mouth must be nice. No, that's not the case because that wasn't even how Jesus was. There were some times when Jesus was really angry and there were a lot of harsh words that came out of his mouth. Like when he called the Pharisees, you brood of vipers. That was pretty harsh, okay? You brood of vipers. You see, but Jesus was always loving He was always kind, but he wasn't always nice. Do not confuse being nice with being kind, okay? But sometimes the kindest thing that someone can do for you actually is to be honest with you, to tell you something that you don't want to hear, even if it doesn't sound nice, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it hurts. And I hope that we have true friends in our lives who will be willing to take that risk to hurt us, to wound us, but to be honest with us. I hope that we have friends who care so much about us that they would be willing to risk that bit of tension in the relationship because they want to be kind, not necessarily nice. You see, in Proverbs 27 verse 6, it says that wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Now, this is not a license to go around pointing out people's faults and say, Hey, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm just being honest. Or it's not to say that, Hey, you know, I'm just a direct person. You know, no hard feelings. I'm just being direct. No, you're just being mean. Because if your honesty is not backed up by kindness, that's being mean. You see, Jesus was full of truth, but he wasn't just full of truth. Jesus was full of truth and grace. And my friend Andrew Theo puts it really nicely when he coined this phrase, he said, honesty demands kindness. Honesty demands kindness. And if we want to be honest with our words, we got to back it up with our kindness. So our words are powerful, but they are inconsistent. And this inconsistency has really got to stop. This inconsistency cannot go on. And that's why James, says further on in verses 10 to 12. He says, my friends, this can't go on. A spring doesn't gush fresh water one day and brackish the next, does it? Apple trees don't bear strawberries, do they? Raspberry bushes don't bear apples, do they? They're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup of clear, cool water, are you? The word brackish simply means salt or briny water, okay? So you can't get different kinds of water from one source. To stop the inconsistency in our words, we have to go to the source. If there's a problem with our water, we have to go to the spring where the water flows from. If there's a problem with our tree, we have to literally go to the root of the problem. We have to go to the source. You see, words are only the water that flow from the source of our heart. At the end of the day, your tongue, my tongue, They are just the messenger. The source is the heart. The source is the heart because the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So what is my heart full of? What is your heart full of? What do you reveal about yourself when you say something? What do we reveal about what's in our hearts when we say something? Our mouth speaks what our hearts full of. And because of that, a lot of times, what we say about someone speaks more about us than the person we are speaking of actually. It's our hearts that are the source where the water of our words flow. You know, as much as I'm telling you all this, uh, this is such a reminder for myself and every preacher first preaches to themselves especially this particular message, when we're talking about words and the responsibility of carrying out the Word of God. So actually, before James went into the whole teaching about words and how powerful they are, he actually had a very strong warning for preachers and teachers of the Word. So if I can rewind back to the start of this scripture from verse 1, it actually says this, James is talking to the preachers to the teachers, someone like me. Don't be in any rush to become a teacher, my friends. Teaching is highly responsible work. Teachers are held to the strictest standards, or in other versions, we who teach will be judged more strictly. And none of us is perfectly qualified. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of life. Man, we get it wrong almost every time we open our mouths. If James says that, and I'm wondering to myself, what chance do I have? I'm not even officially trained from a Bible school or seminary, and I'm not even a pastor. What chance do someone like me even have then? You see, the word perfect here is not just without flaw, but the word perfect means the word mature, okay? And therefore, our words reflect our maturity. Our words reflect how we have grown and how we have progressed to become more and more like Jesus. Because you know what? At the end of the day, that's the whole goal of our Christian walk. That's the whole goal of our faith, so that we can become more and more like Jesus. It's not so that we can have the most money, it's not so that we can have the biggest church, it's not so that we can have the biggest ministry, no. It's so that we can become more and more like Jesus. That is the mark of maturity. And one of those symptoms, one of those things that we see is the usage of our words. What do our words say about our faith in Christ? And you know what? Looking at how I use words, I know how immature and how imperfect and how far I fall off that standard I can be. And I'm not someone who is known for the abundance of life-giving words, positive sayings, you know, like, I don't think anyone would say, yeah, Kaysen's a very natural encourager. I don't think that would be the case. And and I think I'm more known for finding out where faults are, where things go wrong in systems, at work, and, and fixing them. And I must admit that, unfortunately, it flows into people as well finding out where someone is not doing a great job or where someone can be better and always looking at those things to fix. So what was a strength initially has become a weakness. That my natural tendency will be to look at what's going wrong to fix rather than what's going right and celebrate and encourage. It's something that I'm aware of. It's nothing new. But practicing it, let me tell you, it's really hard. It takes a lot of effort takes a lot of progress, the walk towards maturity. And uh, so I struggle with this part a lot. I feel quite a hypocrite sometimes. Can I really flesh out this word? Can I really do this? And it's such a heavy responsibility. So, fullest respect to the Bible teachers, the pastors out there who do this week in, week out. It's such a heavy burden and responsibility to flesh out the Word of God. And there's another part of Scripture in Timothy where it says, you know, uh, a teacher of the Word, a preacher, is worthy of double honour. Now it sounds like, okay, if you want that double honour, you got to be prepared for the double standard as well. The standard of being judged more strictly through your words and by your words. And this week has been really intense for me. Um, so many things have happened and I've been struggling to prepare this and especially going to this and I asked myself, you know what? God, can I even do this? And I just turned to God last night And in the struggle to prepare a message about words and the power of words, and God just turned to me. And He asked, what about the power of my words? What about the power of what I say? Is it not more important than the power of your own words? My word was from the beginning. My word has been there. The word that was from the beginning was the word that was God and the word that still is God. The word that says Trust in me with all your heart. Lean not on your own strength. And I was just, man, God, if I do this, it's really by your strength, it's by your words. None of my words will ever matter if your words don't come through. And the word of God that says, you know, my word is powerful, my word is consistent just as powerful but inconsistent our words are. God's word is more powerful but yet consistent. And he says that my word precedes and prevails over any other words that has been spoken of you. And not just me, but I want to tell you, wherever you are listening from, wherever you are watching this, that God's word precedes and prevails over any word that has been spoken over your life. And this is my encouragement to all of you. Words that bring you down, words that curse, words that bring death, God's word prevails over it. And even if the words that have been spoken over you has all this while been positive, has all this while been great, you know what? They can be inconsistent. Because a lot of times, where humans are concerned, what I say about you will depend on where I am with you at this moment right now. If we are not good, my words may not be good about you as well, but God is not the case. No matter how good someone has a word for you, God's word is still better because God's word never changes. Yesterday, today, and forevermore. God's word remains the same. So I want to speak to you right now and speak over you. And yes, if I can use that word, prophesy to speak well of you. For those of you who have had words of discouragement, words of defeat, words that have been disempowering words of death spoken over over you. I want to speak those words of life over you right now. You know, there are some words that have been spoken over you so many times that they have become a label over you, that you've been labeled such and such. And this label you've carried on for such a long time and as time goes on, it becomes your identity. You know, words are so powerful that when God created the world, he spoke the world into creation. He spoke and he said, let there be light and there was light. So creation, the world, happened because God spoke. God spoke the world into creation. But the fall of creation happened because of a twisting and a questioning of God's word, a manipulation of what God said. So when the devil tempted Eve, his opening line was, did God really say, you can eat of any tree, or you can't eat of any tree, And Eve said, no, I can eat any tree except this one. If I eat of this one, I will die. And the devil, super manipulative, super smart, he tells Eve, no, if you eat of this, you will not die. You will become like God. And Eve was there, hmm, thinking to herself, I will become like God. I will have an identity that is like God. I don't want my identity right now. I want to have an identity like God. She questioned her identity. And then she took off the fruit. And the rest is history. That was the start of the fall of mankind. But you know what? She didn't need to be insecure about her identity because she was already like God. Even before she took the fruit, she was already like God. Her identity was already secure. It was because of the twisting of God's word, that made her question her identity. Because when God created you and I, just as when he created Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, he said he created us in his own image. In his own image, he created men and women. And I think what I hope that we can do today is really reaffirm that identity that we have from God, to reaffirm the word of God that has been spoken over your life and over my life. You are blessed. You are worthy. You are created in the image of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are loved and nothing can separate you from that love of God. Those are the words that God speaks over you and will always speak over you. and Nothing will ever change that. The words of God that are powerful and consistent. And some of you may have not had certain words spoken over your life because, you know, the presence of words in our life are powerful. But just as powerful is the absence of words in our lives. The absence of an affirmation spoken over you. So whatever that I said just now about you being loved, about you being cared for, about you being worthy, about you being made and created in the image of the Creator Himself, God is speaking those words over you. God is saying, you're good. You'll always be good, because you are my child. If no one has ever said this about you, or to you, God is saying that to you right now. And I want to assure you that everything that God says over you is good. You know, we always talk about, hey, if you're a Christian, if your faith is really working, you've got to walk the talk. God doesn't just walk the talk. He talks the walk as well. His words and his actions are consistent. They are one and the same. And you can put that trust in that consistency, in his word and in his actions. Let's pray.